Uh, you might like to have your Bibles open. We have the, if you've got your own Bible, you might like to open that to uh, First and Second Timothy. It's towards the second half of uh, the New Testament, or towards the nearing the end of the New Testament. Um, you might like to open the U Version Bible app, uh, or you've got your own smart technology, or you've got it memorised in your brains. Um, I want to pray now as we get into the word and and particularly for these people as well. So Father, we want to honour you. We thank you for this time that we've had just to worship you. I know and firmly believe, Father, that you're already at work here. You're already speaking into hearts and minds. You're already reminding people here of who you are, of the word that you've spoken over their life at various times. You've already refreshed spirits. You've already brought healing. You are bringing healing. Father, in this time, we want to pray for Glenn and Kerry and for their wider family uh, on the death of Glenn's mum. Uh, We give you thanks for her faith. We give you thanks for her love for you and for her family. We give you thanks for her witness. Uh, We pray in these days that uh, her husband and Glenn's dad, for Glenn and Kerry and for Zara, would continue to know the depth and the wonder of your love in their grief, that you grieve with them, uh, but we don't grieve as those without hope. Uh, And we just thank you, Father, for who you are and pray that your ministry will continue to speak deeply and richly into this family through this time. As we pray for those going through uh, exams at this time of year, Father, uh, for those who have worked so hard over so many years uh, to get to this point and then uh, to have a goal in mind or not to have a goal with some who will be uncertain. Father, we pray uh, particularly today for Sabian, for Annabelle, for Abigail, uh, for Thomas as they go through this season of exams, for others that we uh, might be aware of or haven't named, but you know them. And we want to celebrate that for their families. We ask your grace and your peace. May you minister your grace, your wisdom, your clarity of mind to these students, to these children whom you love and who loved who are loved by us. Uh, Father, we want to pray more than anything that they would know your purposes, that they would be uh, in your purposes simply because they know that they are loved by you. Holy Spirit, grant um, their families grace and peace and comfort in their homes through this season. Uh, We pray that you will strengthen relationships, uh, grant these students clarity of mind, peace of heart as they anticipate results and as they wait for outcomes. May they always be reminded of your presence through this time. And as we enter into your word, may our hearts be turned towards you. May our minds be open to you. May our spirits be ready to receive you and respond to you. And in all this, we give you thanks and honour and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, uh, and we do want to, uh, look, I want to say, wherever you are, wherever you are, whenever you're watching, uh, whatever's happening in your life at the moment, whatever you're a part of, whatever you're not certain of, whatever you're afraid of, uh, whatever might be happening in your life, wherever you have been, whether you're regular here, whether you're faith-filled, whether you're on fire, whether you're visiting, exploring, uncertain, doubtful, seeking Jesus or just trying to work out what this church thing is all about, we want to say welcome to you. Uh, it's good to have you with us. It's good to recognise the diversity of stories. We're going to start this morning reading 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, and then a brief highlight or a summary of in 2 Timothy chapter 2, which we're just going to jump into briefly. I really want to encourage us today, but you've got to stay with me for the first few minutes because this might not sound very encouraging. All right, because Paul's a bit fired up 
Um, so we'll just, let's read the word, okay? Um, here we go. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus. There's a good name if you're looking for a new child's name. Anyone expecting? Hymenaeus. Don't use, oh, look, it's up to you, but I prefer you didn't. You know, not Hymenaeus and Alexander. I shouldn't make extra comments while I'm reading scriptures, should I? It's not good for you to hear what's happening in my head all the time. Whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. He highlights this further in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's kind of a side note he puts in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Um, the, the understanding in some way is that... Uh, they're saying that Jesus has already come back again. Uh, that's how many scholars, many commentators understand that Jesus has gone up to, to glory after that moment in Acts that we have recorded in Acts. Um, and these Hermenius and Alexander and Philetus are kind of saying, well, Jesus has already come back. And the consequences of that, they're not being faith-filled. They're not proclaiming the good news in the way that we're called to uh, proclaim the good news. And Paul's language here is pretty strong, isn't it? I have given them over to Satan. Now, this is a little bit confusing if you read this, if you get to uh, Timothy and you read this, because we know Paul, if we read through Paul in um, Romans, in the letter to the Corinthian church, he's strong, but his message is often grace-filled. If you read through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, his message is grace-filled. It's this undeserved favour that we've received for God. And then this one moment, this one sentence we read, I've handed them over to Satan. Well, that's comforting, isn't it? Imagine receiving that. I've handed them over to Satan. What I want to suggest here, and look, I'm happy to be proven wrong, uh, but I, I can't help but wonder if this is some of the heartache that Paul's feeling for people he has loved. Heartache that he feels for people who he has spoken into at different times, that Timothy has spoken into, that Timothy has spoken into and tried to nurture and disciple. And these guys just aren't stepping up. And it's actually interesting, I think we, we kind of get a hold of that, I've handed them over to Satan. But what's just as important is that Paul's hope is that they would be taught not to blaspheme. Paul's hope, I think he's saying in this, you know, I can't do any more here. They've made a decision about their faith, but I hope that they're taught again in the way of the faith. Does that make sense? All right, so it seems pretty strong, and I think it is pretty strong, because every now and then um, the preacher can be strong. Um, and I don't, I don't think this is Paul giving up just as much as recognising people go their own way. And his ultimate hope is that they would be a reminder of the faith that they once proclaimed. The question, sorry, um, so I want to go uh, further because I think it's just an important highlight in that. So in this um, time that we've been exploring and as we come into worship and this worship and the teaching that we have, life groups in our own reading scriptures, the big question that we always have to ask, which I think Paul actually asks in these letters frequently, is, oops, sorry, I'm making it, now what? 
Now what? And we can ask this every day for every scripture that we read. We can ask this every week for every message that we hear. And it can be overwhelming. I mean, we've, some of us have heard a lot of messages. Been reflecting a lot about this in my lifetime, 50 years of old. I mean, I've been to services for 50 years, morning and night and everything in between. And youth group, Sunday school lessons, like I've heard a lot of stuff, as you have. And we can ask this every day. Now what? It's an important question to ask, actually. And sometimes there might be nothing. It might just be I'm more aware of God. I'm more aware of who I am in God. Well, that's pretty significant. Now that you've heard this, what is your response? See, we have access to preachers and teachers, both past and present. I mean, you can get online and watch Billy Graham. The, the breadth of speakers that we can have personal devotions, every app coming out with more devotionals. You can get a daily devotional sent to your email inbox. If you open your emails, you might find thousands there that you've left there. Um, you know, we've signed up at some stage. You can tune in online. You can watch your favorite speakers every day, every week. You can create your own music, worship playlists that make you feel oh so good. And the question still remains, now what? How is your heart, your mind, your spirit and your body aligned with Jesus? And which and in what ways aren't our hearts, our minds, our bodies and spirits aligned with Jesus? Because remember, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body, with all your strength. And to love one another as you love yourselves. Now what? So keep that in mind. I know that I can take things uh, personally at times, often, and some of that's really positive in lots of ways because uh, it means I'm invested, uh, I get a bit passionate, you may have noticed that, I get a bit fired up, you may have noticed that, um, you may not have, you know, you might have slept through it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but the negative side of that sometimes is the drive, the perfectionist, the perfectionist in me, um, the inner critic that's in me at times, I've already got about six things going through my head that thinks, oh, Simon, fix that up. Do something about that, will you? That was a disaster. Um, um, and that's why I'm trying to communicate a message to you as well. Uh, sometimes my perfectionism, the negative side of um, taking things too personally can mean that I get into this mode of uh, people-pleasing. I feel responsible when people walk away. I wonder what I could have done. There's a sense of disconnection, a heartache. There's moments of just being done. Just being done with people, being done with the church, um, being done with it all. There's a struggle with expectations of people, the disappointment, the sense that I've let down so many people over such a long period of time and continue to do that. And then in the midst of all that, again, that's just some insight into what happens in my head and heart at times. Uh, in the midst of that, I'll hear a reflection. I'll be reminded of a word. Someone will give me a scripture. And in the midst of that, there's this moment of quietness and solitude and silence that says, Simon, remember this? Now that you've heard this, now what? Don't lose sight of this, Simon. Be reminded of this. Be reminded of your first love. Be reminded of your first heart. 
Be reminded of what you're called to. Be reminded of what you're pursuing. Be reminded of who you are. Now what? We all have these moments of now what? Are there areas in your life that don't align with what you have been taught, with what you read, with what you hear, with what you sing? Are there areas in your life that don't align with the heart of Jesus, with the invitation from Jesus? So we have this reminder of Timothy of the prophecies. Often we talk about prophecies as future predicting, uh, anticipating something in the future. Uh, and often it's the consequence of a, a, a decision that people have made or a group of people or a person has made. You read through the Old Testament, the prophecies. You know, you behave like this, you forget God in this. These are the consequences. Um, this is what will happen. This is how God will respond. Uh, it's not always future predicting like as they're seeing ahead as much as just these are the natural consequences. Um, there are times where people can see and will see things that are unexplainable. I'm not disputing that at all. Uh, but Paul writes to the church in Corinth expressing his desire that everyone would prophesy. And he explains prophecy as to strengthen, encourage and comfort. And I'm highlighting this because Paul says to Timothy, don't forget the prophecies that has been spoken over you. So it's this sense that there's, um, Timothy, as we all are at some stage, we hope, given some words of encouragement about gifting, about our skill, about the heart for Jesus, about who, who we are in Christ. To remind us of the things that God has done, of who God is, so that we remember who we are. And into that, I've highlighted this because I want us to remember today, what are the words that have been spoken over your life at different times? What are the encouragements that you've received? What are the words of, and it might be, you might not have heard any great, you know, this is what will happen in the year 2030. I'm not talking about that, but what are the words that remind you of your relationship with Jesus, that remind you of who you are in God, that remind you of the heart that you have and the, the, the faith that you hold on to and the, the, the encouragement that you've been to others? What are the strength that you've received? What is the encouragement and the comfort that you've received at different times? And I understand that at times these words have been hijacked by people, they've been hijacked by circumstances, decisions, or they've just got lost through the ebbs and flows of life. And I want to say to you, God hasn't forgotten them. God doesn't forget them. The aches, the promises that you felt and you wait for, God hasn't forgotten them. The prophecies that have been spoken as strength, as encouragement, as comfort, God hasn't forgotten them. Sometimes we tend to sit back, you know, I've heard stories of people who say, I've had words spoken over me, and then they just go and lead their life without God. That's, we've got to live in faithfulness for those words while we wait for those words. Sometimes I, I've heard people who have received prophecies and they just say, oh, if I only do this and if I only do that, the prophecy will come to life. And, and no, 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 it's not ours to force. It's ours to be faithful and obedient. Some of the, I've heard prof, people have said, I've had words spoken over my life, prophecies over my life, and this happened and that happened and this person did that. Okay, yep, I get that. We can all say that, can't we? <laughs> God hasn't forgotten it. God hasn't forgotten you. 
God hasn't forgotten the promises. But he does ask that we remain faithful. Paul says to Timothy, don't forget the prophecies that have been spoken over you. Don't forget the word. Or don't live outside the word that has been given to you. See, sometimes we hear the word prophecy and we go, oh, well, I'll just wait for it to come to pass. It's not the invitation. Keep going. And I think this is where we, um, where we get into this. Uh, I want to read three passages now that I think saying uh, similar things as, as words of strength, as words of comfort and words of encouragement. As I read through these passages, I read 24 different, individ- different instructions. Um, there's your challenge. Uh, do you count 24? Um, don't count them now. I don't want to know if you think I'm wrong now. You can discuss it in life groups or in your personal devotion and take it up with God. Um, I counted 24. But what I want to do, ask us to do, ask the Spirit as we read through these texts, what is it that I need to hear, Father? What is it that I need to remember? What is it that I need to bring back into alignment with you? What is a word that maybe you've spoken over my life that I've forgotten? I want to to encourage you to remember that. And then, not just to remember it, but go and share it with your life group. Hey, I remember this and I'd love you to join me in prayer in this. How I was encouraged or comforted or strengthened by this. Not in, if you're not in a life group, come and speak to Jared after. Come and speak to me and we'll get you connected. Email the office. But if you're not in a life group, go and see someone that you trust. And say, hey, this is what I heard. I believe that God's saying this to me. And I want to encourage you to think about your next step out of these words. So here we go. First um, Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, we're starting at. <clears throat> Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 14. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. 
Yeah, this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I think it's important to note that he adds that on there. This would be good for us to remember that second instruction with great patience and careful instruction. <laughs> for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So let me go through the 24 instructions. No, I'm not doing that to you. Some of you know me too well. I think there's a number of themes that invite us to consider our alignment. And as we as I highlight these themes, just briefly, I'm not going to use any more scriptures. Uh, you, know, you can find plenty of scriptures. You can look them up. It's, as I said, I'm happy to give you the scripture references if you didn't write them down. But here's the themes that I think we're invited to consider and I think are important for us. Wherever we are on our faith journey, on our relationship with Jesus. And I want to invite you, what's your next step today? Honestly and seriously, what's your next step today? That when you go home this afternoon, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you will take on that next step and you will be obedient to the whisper of Jesus. Hold on to your faith. Your faith, your relationship with Jesus is worth holding on to. And not as a holding on to, to guard and protect and like the precious ring out of that Gullum takes from the Lord of the Rings, but something that is life-giving, uh, renewed, energizing, that brings conviction and repentance and restoration in our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Something that ignites a passion within us that causes us to think about and to live according to the ways of Jesus. It's costly and it's hard. And there's plenty of opportunity and there's plenty of reason to give it up. We don't actually have to look very hard. There's plenty of people that we can look at that cause us to walk away from God, no doubt. There's plenty of people who have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, been popular preachers, and their lives haven't matched up. We look silly, we look foolish, and I do say we because when someone falls from grace, from a ministry position, from all they've proclaimed, we're lumped in there. I'm lumped in there. Ladies and gentlemen, our faith is worth holding on to because it's not built on the great preachers of past and present and future. It is built on Christ alone. And we do well to hold on to that because that will be challenged. It's costly. It's hard. And it doesn't make sense at times. I don't know if you've noticed this. 
doesn't make sense at times. Be encouraged by those who have spoken into you. Be an encouragement to others around you. You know, if you're bored during our services, if you're bored during life group, if you're bored during reading the scriptures, you only have to ask yourself one question. Holy Spirit, come. What do you want me to learn here today? If you want to take it a bit deeper, who can I encourage? Who can I bless? What's one thing I can learn? What's one thing I can be reminded of? Hold on to your faith. Is your next step to trust in Jesus again? Is your next step to rekindle that desire and love, your hope in him, to hold on to your faith? Scripture is powerful. And it's powerful because we work at it and we read through it and we engage with it privately, which requires discipline. It requires attention. It requires um, a willingness. It requires sacrifice. Scripture is powerful in community. Did you hear that instruction? In 2 Timothy, read the word. Give it attention in community. We're becoming so disjointed and so, I don't like that, I'm just going to go and create this for myself over here and see who else likes me and wants to join me. Oh no, I don't want to do it like that, I want to do it like this and I want to have this over here. All right, well let's go back, let's hold on to our faith and let's see what Jesus might be actually asking us to do. And remember last week's invitation? Are we part of a body or are we a bunch of prosthetic limbs that we just detach when it doesn't suit us or where it gets a bit painful? Scripture remains powerful privately and in community because in particularly in community, it causes us to align with God, to explore, examine, question, correct, rebuke and encourage not in isolation but with people who know us and see us. The danger of only doing privately is that we don't ever have someone else speak into us. And we can say, you know, it's like confirmation bias. If, bias. if you tick something on the internet, you'll get ad after ad after ad of the same thing. You'll just keep hearing the same thing because it suits you. Scripture is powerful privately and in community. Is your next step to commit to reading Scripture, scripture personally and in community as part of community? Don't be ashamed of the good news. Most of us sitting here have got our story of how we've encountered God. Nobody can take that away from you. You might be mocked for it, you might be laughed at it, but it's your story and it's your power and it's your witness. It's the power of Jesus Christ because we hold on to the hope. If our colleagues don't understand it or don't get it, that's okay. Just make sure our lives align with the testimony that we show. Don't walk around saying, oh, I follow Jesus and this is how Jesus encountered me, then be an absolute moron in our workplace. Or be dishonest. Or be a grumpy husband or a grumpy wife or a grumpy grandparent or a grumpy kid. You know, whatever it is. I mean, we all have our moments of grumpiness, but... <laughs> Sorry, you might not. Yeah. I'm sure you're all Perfect. You know, this is, this is foolishness to the world. This crazy, mixed up world, you know, this gospel, this good news that is meant to be good news that God comes down amongst us. I have come down to rescue my children. 
and to show the depth and the breadth and the height of his love. Is your next step to proclaim the good news with someone you know? To tell them why? Not, not as a beat up, but just to share with them who Jesus is to you. I want to encourage us perhaps to press in, which is probably a little bit similar to the first one, but I think it's repeated and I think it's worth saying it different. Be faithful. Persevere, especially when it's tough. You know, are you being encouraged to go this way and you feel like God wants you to go this way? You know, to, you know it doesn't really matter. Everybody does it. No, no, I've got to, this is what God wants of me. This is what it is to be a person of integrity. This is what it is to be a person of character. This is what it is to be someone that is loved by God. This is, someone, this is what it means to be someone who declares the love of God, who witnesses the love of God. I'm going to press in here. I'm going to trust in the provision of God. Press in when your circumstances are hard. Press in when you feel like the word that you've had spoken over your life or the promise you thought you would receive or the thing that you once believed is hard to see now. Press in. Go back to reading scripture, get in scripture with private and community, be with one another and hold on to our faith and celebrate the good news again. Maturity often comes through hardship. Hebrews says to us, um, now that I said I wouldn't use scripture, Hebrews says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Wrap your head around that statement. Jesus learned obedience through suffering Our obedience and character development will come through suffering as well. Trust God's eternal presence rather than what we can simply see before us. See, we're often rattled by this one moment and we fail to press into God's moment. Is your next step simply to trust God despite your circumstances, in the midst of your circumstances, whether with plenty or with little? Remember, remember God's grace. Remember the goodness of God. Remember what he has said. Remember what he has promised. Remember what he has done throughout the course of history. I mean, just, we are here today, not only, we are, sorry, we are here today and bearing testimony to the fact that God came to Egypt and released people from slavery. I'll leave that with you. Remember God's grace as he continues to work out his purposes and remember that we are made holy because he is holy. We are set apart for his love because of his love. Remember the encouragement, the comfort, the rebuke that you have received. Remember the love that you have received. Remember the life that you felt when you served, when you passed on that love to someone else. Is your next step to give thanks to God for all he has done in your life and then to share that and give yourself completely, wholeheartedly. Give yourself completely to God's love for you, for his work in you so that he would work through you. Did you understand the order? Give yourself completely to knowing that God loves you. God is enough. Some of us get so overwhelmed with our circumstances, our challenge, our heartache, our sadness, our disappointment, that we lose sight of the most simple gospel truth. You are loved. You are known. You are seen. 
And incidentally, all those people that have annoyed you, all those people who aren't doing what we think they should be doing, all our children, all our grandchildren who have walked away from faith, guess what? God loves them too. Give yourself completely to proclaiming his good news, serving his body and blessing his community and trust in his provision, in his promises, in his word. Is your next step to surrender fully? Might be for the first time, like fully, completely, wholeheartedly, all in, nothing held back. Or maybe you remember when you did that once and it's got a bit lost along the way. Is that your next step? Hold on to your faith. Remember that scripture is powerful for strengthening, encouraging, correcting, rebuking, bringing comfort. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, the good news that you have received for those of us who have received it here or watching online. Don't be ashamed of the truth that we know, the truth that we've received. Press into that truth, hold on to that truth, be reminded of that truth, remember the truth, remember the power of that truth and then again give ourselves completely. And tomorrow morning when we wake up and the kids have been up all night spewing or doing other things that we'd rather not discuss here. Or when we're worried about where the finances are going to come from. Or our husbands or our wives aren't doing what we expected. And we've had an argument. Give ourselves again completely, wholeheartedly to the ways of Jesus. When I don't get the marks that I thought. When the job doesn't come through that I thought. When the finances don't come through that I thought. Give yourself completely, wholeheartedly to Jesus. And when I'm waking up tomorrow and I feel content and comfortable and when nothing particularly is going pear-shaped, when I can feel pretty good about what I've achieved over the last week or what I've seen accomplished in the last week, when I know that I can look at my task list tomorrow and go, that's all right, it's going to be a pretty good week. You know what? Give yourself then as well, completely and wholeheartedly to Jesus. I was reminded last week uh, in our invitation that some of us, we often give invitations. Oops, sorry, I've gone too far. We often give invitations and we talk about do you need a miracle in your life? Um, and we want to continue to do that. You know, whether it's your finances, your marriages, your workplaces, whatever's happening, your body, we want to continue to pray for you and, and encourage you in that and to uh, stand with you in prayer, uh, to comfort you in that prayer. Uh, and sometimes we can hear that in our, and we think, oh, you know, there's nothing really happening in my finances or in my workplace or in my family. No, nah, things are going pretty well. I don't need prayer. And I was reminded last week, maybe we don't need anything. And that's part of the problem. Because we've got so used to what we've created for ourselves. Some of us just actually need to fully surrender to the heart of Jesus again and recognize all that we are all that we have, all that we're given and all the opportunities that we have are for Jesus. I, just, I hope you don't, I don't want you to feel, but like I genuinely want us to feel <laughs> encouraged today because I recognise last week was pretty tough. Um, what does it look like to fully surrender? Because we've all got things that aren't aligned with Jesus today, Yeah. And we'll wake up tomorrow and something will happen. There'll be something that will misalign us with Jesus again. It's a constant work. It's a constant work. 
So Paul closes this letter, his first letter to Timothy. And he says this as our team come up and prepare. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, he closes like this. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. Whatever call you have been given, whatever gift you have been given, whatever opportunity that you are given tomorrow, this afternoon, the days ahead, hold on to your faith. Remember, Scripture is powerful. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Remember the good news. Press in and give yourself completely to the heart of Jesus. Set your heart and your mind and your spirit on the things of God so that everyone would know the undeserved favour of God's love.